Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 called Rest and Retribution. Now, to add to the idea here of suffering, because we all struggle with how to deal with it, Paul says, don't worry about it, because God is going to deal with the people who do it to you. And it will be just, it's only right, it's only righteous for God, middle of, beginning of six, to repay with tribulation, those who cause you pain, because Jesus said to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Jesus takes persecution personally. And this is where Paul says in Romans 12, brethren, never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. For God says, I will repay saith the Lord. How many of us, I was listening to Tony Evans the other day, he's preaching on Romans 12, and he said, how many of you, and this is how he preaches, have gotten in the way of God when you tried to repay people and you got in the way of God doing his repay? So something like that. He's, he's such a good, I don't know how he still has a voice. And I, every time I listen to Tony I, at lunchtime, like, yeah. Yeah! Yeah! And substance, man. And fire. And substance and fire. It's good. And he said, how many of you have gotten the way? <laughs> and you're trying to do the repayment, and maybe you got in the way of what God wanted to do to your enemy. <laughs> There's another foreign concept, right? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> We struggle with that, right? What's going to happen to those people who have done these dastardly deeds? Because there's been some terrible things done to the church. Precious blood of the saints that have been spilled. What, what is God? Does God just from heaven just say, well, that I'm doing it to stretch my people? Well, partly, but he also says, don't worry about it because I'm going to take care of those people. And I want you to be still and know that I am God. Not you. I am God, Psalm 46.10. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's only right. And to give relief to you, seven, who are afflicted. And to us as well. Paul was going through his own suffering. And then here we go. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed, there's our word apocalypsis where we get apocalyptic. It means a public disclosure, coming into public view, a revelation, the book of Revelation. Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Verses 7 through 10, some believe is an early church hymn, perhaps sung by the early church about the second coming of the Lord. That's what some believe. It's, uh, I think, one long sentence. But... Here it points to the second coming. And it's as if Paul is saying, the day of the Lord hasn't happened yet, and we'll get into this in chapter two. But when it does, God's gonna come in holy retribution and two things are gonna happen. 
you're going to get relief. Greek word anasis. It speaks of rest or relief. The original Greek word pointed to the loosening of a bowstring that was taut in a bow, tight in warfare. And when it was loosened is the idea of rest. And the rest is going to come, at least for a group of people. Did you see it in verse 7? When the Lord Jesus comes. And there are a lot of people who believe that because of the flow of the verses and the setting of First and Second Thessalonians, we only have a couple possibilities of what this rest could be. And one main idea is that it's the rest of rapture. It's the rest of deliverance. It's the, it's the Lord coming and rescuing his people, relieving the pressure, which is the idea of the Greek word for rest here, and then pouring retribution in his act of judgment on the, of the day of the Lord when that day comes. And for those of you who are still wrestling with your timing of the rapture and your belief on what it looks like, let me just say to you that if this is the rapture, then that means that the rapture happens at the visible second coming of the Lord Jesus with all his angels and flaming fire, which is the day of the Lord. And I know for some of you, this is difficult for you to swallow a little bit because you've been taught a pre-tribulation rapture, and I understand, and I'm not here to get into a big debate because there's good people on all sides. But I'll just tell you this. If this is the rapture, then the rapture happens at a single second coming. Not at the beginning of a seven-year tribulation period in secret and then waiting till the end for the visible manifestation of the Lord with his angels in fire. Everybody with me? Shake your heads just so you sort of, kind of. Everybody with? So, so here's, here's the deal. If, if the second coming is a singular second coming in this glory and fire and power like Mount Sinai when God came down on the mountain with fire, then the rescue of God's people is going to happen at a single second coming when he rescues them into rest. And this could even be, you know, speaking of millennial rest, and then pours retribution on an unbelieving world. Something to think about. Because I know a pre-tribulation rapture sounds really good. And if I have a vote, I'm voting for it. <laughs> but God has not sent a ballot to me. So, I, oh, it's in the mail. <laughs> it got tossed aside on accident. Sorry. The parousia, please turn to two passages, Isaiah 66. I want to show you two Old Testament passages that are really cool to look at. The parousia says, uh, Bruce, the second coming of the Lord, will be the occasion, what you want is Isaiah 66, will be the occasion for equitable retribution and reward, and you could add rest. This is Isaiah 66, the last chapter of the book of Isaiah. So much incredible stuff here, but take a look at Isaiah 66, 15 and 16. Here's what it says. For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. 
For the Lord, Isaiah 66, 16, will execute judgment by fire and by his sword on all flesh. And those slain by the Lord will be many. And then over to Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. And this is chapter four. And this is just another verse about this idea of the day of the Lord and what it looks like. And it is a powerful reminder that our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 29. Malachi 4, verse 1 says this. Surely, for behold, the day is coming, burning, it will burn like a furnace. I'm going to read from the NIV. It will burn like a furnace, Malachi 4.1. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire. Says the Lord Almighty, not a root or a branch will be left to them. And it should be, I think, a little quiet because that's sobering, isn't it? The Lord is going to come in mighty power. Like he manifested himself, we'll finish it up back to 1 Thessalonians, like on Mount Sinai. See, God is not to be trifled with. Our God, Hebrews 12, 29, is a consuming fire. Timothy says, he dwells in unapproachable light. He said to Moses, who was probably the closest guy to God in the Old Testament that I can think of, you can't see my face and live. Take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. And Moses is looking at a bush that's, that's uh, on fire but not consumed. What does that mean? It means that the people are suffering in Egypt. They're on fire and persecution, but they will not be consumed because I, the Lord, I do not change Malachi 3.6. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Amazing. God is holy. And when Jesus comes again, it is going to be the light show of all light shows. He's going to come in the blaze of his glory and all the angels with him. And it will be like nothing this world has ever seen before. And rest will come to the people of God. Resurrection, rapture, rest. But part B of that, and I'll try to move quickly. For the unbelieving world is that he will come dealing out retribution, First Thess 2 Thessalonians 1.8, to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. 
Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. For behold, the day is coming, burning, it will burn like a furnace. I'm going to read from the NIV. It will burn like a furnace, Malachi 4.1. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire. Says the Lord Almighty, not a root or a branch will be left to them. And it should be, I think, a little quiet because that's sobering, isn't it? The Lord is going to come in mighty power. Like he manifested himself, we'll finish it up back to 1 Thessalonians, like on Mount Sinai. See, God is not to be trifled with. Our God, Hebrews 12, 29, is a consuming fire. Timothy says, He dwells in unapproachable light. He said to Moses, who was probably the closest guy to God in the Old Testament that I can think of, you can't see my face and live. Take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. And Moses is looking at a bush that's that's, uh, on fire but not consumed. What does that mean? It means that The people are suffering in Egypt. They're on fire and persecution, but they will not be consumed because I, the Lord, I do not change Malachi 3.6. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Amazing. God is holy. And when Jesus comes again, it is going to be the light show of all light shows. He's going to come in the blaze of his glory and all the angels with him. And it will be like nothing this world has ever seen before. And rest will come to the people of God. Resurrection, rapture, rest. But part B of that, and I'll try to move quickly, for the unbelieving world is that he will come dealing out retribution, First, 2 Thessalonians 1.8, to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has believed our report. You might ask, well, who's going to be judged that day? Verse 8, those who don't know God, and I think this is the same idea of just walking it out, those who do not obey the gospel. What is the gospel? 
The gospel is the good news that God sent his son, that he lived the perfect life for us, that he died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he came on a rescue mission and he doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. And he says, believe in my son, trust in me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But if you don't come, if you are not in Christ on that day, then retribution is what's coming. And here, specifically to the enemies of the cross, the enemies of God's people, here's God's vengeance. It is retribution that he will deal out to those who don't know God, those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will not obey the report. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel right out of the gate. Mark 1.15. And if you want to just uh, get one more angle on this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, right to your right, uh, has a little bit more about these folks. With all deception, 2 Thessalonians 2.10, of wickedness for those who perish because, 2 Thessalonians 2.10, they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. If you will not receive the love of the truth, which is in Jesus, then you won't be saved. And then a little bit more sobering. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Away or shut out, NIV, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. In evangelicalism in the last several decades, there's been a debate whether or not we could make the case for annihilationism. Let me explain. Some evangelical scholars, who I think mean well, and there are other cult groups who have embraced this kind of idea, some other religions as well, that God, instead of eternally causing someone to be under his wrath, conscious suffering, if you will, they will be annihilated. And the key word here is what does eternal destruction mean? Does it mean to be destroyed in the sense that you go out of existence? Alethros is the Greek word. And I'll just tell you that even though there's arguments going on and so forth, this is one scholar. He says, destruction, alethros, does not refer to annihilation, but to ruination. Leon Morris says, they pass into a night on which no morning dawns. Eternal destruction is the alternative to God's gift to believers, eternal life. If eternal life is the life of the age to come, the resurrection age, eternal destruction is destruction in the age to come, with a strong implication, says F.F. Bruce, of finality. Here, the eternal destruction consists in the exclusion from the presence of God with whom is the fountain of life. The Lord here is Jesus, as the following clause makes plain. In the judgment scene of Matthew 25, 41 and 46, the Son of Man says, depart from me, he addresses those on his left hand and it involves their departure into eternal punishment. 
Some have argued that if annihilation is a true doctrine that we should consider, and it seems more palatable, let's face it, then how would that be fair, for example, if, if Adolf Hitler simply was burned up by God in a moment for all the evils that he had perpetrated? Now, some say, well, maybe what God will do is he'll mete out judgment for a time that's commensurate with in keeping with what someone did wrong, and he'll punish, 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 and then annihilate. And then there's others, and this has been the traditional view of the church has really been that no, it's eternal, and the word eternal means eternal, and it's, I tell you, it's, it's a hard thing to fathom, is it not? Because any of us who, you know, have witnessed to anybody and we're considering their eternity without God, I mean, in the last couple of days, Eddie Van Halen dies, Bob Gibson dies, uh, you know, um, Whitey Ford, all the baseball guys, but... But, you know, if you, if you go back and you do a Google search and say something like this, what famous people died in the last year? You will be shocked. How many people you've forgotten about have entered into eternity? And let me just say this. Whatever God does in the end, eternity is too long to be wrong about your soul. Jesus said, what, what are you going to give in exchange for your soul? You could gain the whole world, and if you forfeit your soul, you're a fool. When he comes, Jesus is coming, and that's why the verses point to his all judgment given to the Son, to be glorified in his saints on that day, and to be marveled at among all who have believed. What a day of marveling that will be. We don't know what we're going to be yet. You know, We don't know fully what the resurrection body encompasses, at least in its totality. But we know when he appears, we will be like him, or we will see him just as he is. You've been listening to Rest and Retribution, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, Michael Lance is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California. If you live anywhere in Southern California, we would love it if you joined us for any of our church services, Bible studies, or one of the many events that we do throughout the year. Stay up to date by downloading the Living Truth app. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, in this message on rest and retribution, we really have two ends of the spectrum, don't we, about what's going to happen at the return of Christ when he comes to judge the living and the dead. You're either going to enter into rest or you're going to experience retribution. And the key really there is that there is a rest for the people of God. That rest is found in Christ. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right now, you can receive the rest that your soul needs by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, if not, if you won't receive that rest, you say, well, why retribution? Why is that the only option? Well, because your sin condemns you before God. Remember, people are already condemned according to John 3.36, And what we're telling them is about the good news about how to not be condemned. See, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The world's already condemned because of our sin. But to save the world, 
You can look at John three sixteen and 17. And so that's the bottom line here is, do you know the rest of Christ? Have you entered into that rest? Or is there going to be a day when you're going to stand before your maker and deal with his judgment? Now, he doesn't want anybody to perish. So please know that the good news of the gospel is that you would come and enter into that rest. And you might want to pray right now, Lord Jesus, save me. I want to rest in you. I'm tired of my sin. I'm tired of the burden. I am weary. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Maybe you're a prodigal and you just want to pray, Lord, I want to come home now, today. Well, you can do that. He is a prayer away. And if we can help you, if we can pray with you, please call 844-48-TRUTH. We have pastors here Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 4 Pacific time, 844-48-TRUTH. Or you can submit a prayer request at walkintruth.com. And you could say, hey, Pastor Michael, I prayed to receive Christ for the first time today. Or, hey, I'm coming home. I've been a prodigal and I'm getting my life right today. (laughs) Don't wait, man. Do it today. And we would love to know and celebrate with you. Look, we all came from somewhere to get saved. And we all came from our brokenness and lostness and sickness and deadness in our sin. But Christ made us alive. We want to celebrate with you. 844-48-TRUTH. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael, and we will see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow as we dive in to the apostasy and the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. See you then. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and to help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. So if you can, please give that $5 donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-5, through 5, called The Apostasy and the Man of Lawlessness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.